Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Clarkson Ignite podcast. Today we're doing another Across the Campus episode. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Alex. And today we're joined by Taylor and Kaylee of the DBF Speed Team, or the Design Build Fly Speed Team. Yeah, we learned a ton about designing, a ton about building, and a ton about flying, baby. It's a great one. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Across the Campus. We're joined today by Kaylee and Taylor, and they're going to talk to us all about the speed team. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Hi, I'm Taylor Converse. I'm a junior aerospace major, um, and I am one of the co-presidents of the DBF speed team. Hi, my name is Kaylee Schrader. I'm a senior. I'm also one of the co-presidents of the DBF speed team, and I'm an aerospace and mechanical engineering major. So go ahead and tell us, um, what exactly are the speed teams, and uh, what's DBF, too? Like, uh, I'm honestly, like, I haven't had a ton of context of, like, what speed team is, so. Yeah, so speed teams is short, um, actually, for student projects for engineering experience (laughs) and design, and DBF is actually short for design, build, fly. So the speed teams are really project teams where you can get hands-on involved in manufacturing um, snowmobiles, planes, chemi cars, everything you could want, um, and it's a great way to apply that theoretical knowledge you learn in class to an actual like industry experience. So I, I heard they're like a pretty big. It's like a very big thing on Clarkson's campus. How like how it gets so important, and like why is it so important? So the speed teams give students hands-on experience. Uh, This is great for design and manufacturing, and it's applicable to industry, so it looks really good to employers after you graduate. Also, a lot of students use it as a break from all, like, the desk work and classwork, but it's still a great way to, like, reinforce what you learn in your classes. And with there being so many teams, so many people can get involved in so many different things. Well, what teams do you guys have? Like, so what, what competitions, like, do you guys compete in normally? And how does that, like, work? Yeah, so speed teams, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. There's Clean Snowmobile. There's Formula SAE. There's Baja Car. Um, there's Chemi Car. There's DBF. There's Timber Bridge, Steel Bridge. I know I'm forgetting a few. Um, Concrete canoe. Concrete canoe, yeah. So there's there's so many um, different ones you can get involved with. There's a construction management one, too. Um, and so there's uh, the competitions range from being regional to national to international. So DBFs is actually an international competition. It's about 60 colleges, international colleges, every year compete in Arizona or Wichita. Um, yeah, so... It can range depending on the sport. I believe um, clean snowmobile is more of a, like, Canada, Mexico, U.S. kind of thing, whereas ours is we have teams coming in from Tokyo, Hong Kong, Eastern Europe, all things like that. Very large scale. Yes. Very large scale. That's amazing that you guys have been able to compete and go on this large-scale adventure, especially as compared to some other universities. Clarkson is kind of not the largest, but pretty spunky that we've been able to do as well as we have. And that's something I love to point out to everyone, too, that we're, you know, we're a school that can be half the size or a tenth of the size of some of these larger schools, and we're still competing on that same level of MIT, Harvard, all of those schools. It's really amazing, especially with DBF, because we have a lower budget than some of these other schools, and we've still managed to place extremely well in the past. Nice. So, like, design, build, fly. Um, So what is is that kind of 
entail? Like, what what is the competition? Is it just building some sort of plane and like working with it? I'm so like, what what is that? So every year we get a mission assigned to us by the AIAA, which is the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. It's like a professional organization in the aerospace aeronautical industry. And every other year it switches between being sponsored by Cessna or Raytheon, so it's either a commercial or a military-based competition. And uh, after we get our competition, it usually consists of three missions, a ground mission, and then two in-flight kind of sometimes also ground missions. Uh, for example, this year we have to carry syringes because it's humanitarian based. And we get more points for the amount of syringes we can hold. And then we have another mission where we're carrying like simulated vaccine vials, which mm -hmm. are sensors. And we have to actually drop the sensors out of the aircraft without setting them off, which is extremely difficult to do. Um, but every year, they hold a competition either in Wichita, Kansas, or Tucson, Tucson Arizona. Arizona. And uh, we'll design an aircraft based to the mission competition. Uh, and then we'll do prototyping, testing for everything that we've learned in our major, and uh, actually build the aircraft and hopefully go to compete. Not every team that submits a proposal gets accepted. So wait, so you don't do it on site. You'll do it and you'll make those designs here and then compete in the competition. Yeah, so we usually get our mission um, in, like, September, October, um, and it's a different mission every year. So we have to design a plane from scratch every year, and they're always very different, so you can't really pull, like, what you've done the previous year and copy-paste it. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it's it's a... Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, just talking about how, like, the competition, like, differs every year. Yeah, um, yeah. And is it usually about um, is it usually about like things that are currently relevant in what's going on in the world? Um, it's very dependent on the year. I think because COVID has had such a big impact on the world as a whole, this year it is very geared towards like COVID humanitarian right. missions. In the past, however, especially with the military missions, they range, and a lot of the time, a bunch of uh, professional members of AIAA. We'll just gather in a room and throw ideas at each other until they find something that will be extremely difficult for us to do. Yeah, brainstorming of the hardest thing that they can find out to yeah, make absolutely. you guys do. <laughs> yeah, so for these aircraft, when I, I mean, I, I think I was just kind of limiting my scope, but I'm thinking, like, it, since it's aircraft, do you guys do, like, like um, quads and, like, helicopters, too, and stuff like that, or, or like, rotor aircraft? Yeah, it has to be a rotary aircraft. Mm -hmm. Um Lighter than air or not lighter than air? Uh, so we do have <laughs> rules. Uh, the AIAA loves to throw new rules at us every year. I think it's been pretty consistent with we have to have a fixed-wing aircraft, so we can't have those uh, rotary helicopter blades. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't think it can be lighter than air, so no blimps and no VTOL capabilities. Yeah. Yes, that's correct, no VTOL, which is vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah. So okay. it has to be a pretty conventional plane. Clarkson actually got to set one of those rules a couple years back. Uh, we actually had an aircraft that held the wings on using magnets, mm -hmm. and the magnets broke during competition, and they couldn't decide if it was a failure where we would get disqualified or not. So from there on out, AIAA actually also had a rule where you could not use aircraft or magnets, magnets. to uh, as a structural 
part of your aircraft. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Makes sense. I wouldn't want the my plane to be held. <laughs> Here's the question. Did they name it the Clarkson Rule? Oh, they should have. Well, okay, so there's a funny story with that. There's actually two rules um, that have been changed because of Clarkson. So the magnet one is one of them, but there's another one where, um, oh, it was a, it was like a they would take your wings your yeah your wingspan you take your final score and they divided it by your wingspan they had some weird wonky rule that year um and so clarkson made like a plane that is like maybe 10 inches wide and it's just a flying wing and that's the year we actually won the international competition and so they took that rule out after we um <laughs> kind of worked around the rules <laughs> but hey, if he, it, we won we the used math it. is part of yeah it. exactly yeah doing the math part no, of i mean it. interesting uh interesting way to build that um what uh, innovative materials do you normally use when designing and building these aircraft? Or, like, what innovative things do you guys um, do to compete in these competitions? Yeah. So, in the past, uh, a lot of our construction has been out of balsa wood, uh, monocoat, which is kind of like a shrimp wrap material that we'd use as a skin, and uh, pre-bought carbon fiber rods. However, in the past couple years, we've actually switched a lot of our manufacturing techniques. We're now we're using the... Uh, composites lab on campus that's generously funded by JetBlue. And uh, we're using a newly purchased 3D printer that we have, and we're actually doing additive manufacturing where we are 3D printing our own molds and then using composites to make it more structural. Epic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's allowing us to have uh, more complex designs. They're very uh, specified to our design. Mm-hmm. We can get more creative with it. And it's also a lot more reliable as far as manufacturing goes because I don't know if you guys have ever had balsa wood. It yes. crumbles in your hand. <laughs> I've done engineering competition with towers, and you'll break them and break them, and you'll want to cry every yeah, time. Yeah, especially <laughs> when a first-year member goes and like picks it up to look at it, and it just falls apart. Mm, yeah, so. you, you keep them away from those uh, <laughs> yeah. ready-to-compete. <laughs> Posits definitely don't have that issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does do you uh, the AIS? I believe um, is that AIAA. AIAA. Yeah. There we go. Um, do they set regulations on the materials you can use? Not, not that I can think of. Nothing truly specific. It's really more about electronics regulations and design regulations, but not necessarily materials. They're um, very loose with a lot of their rules. They want us to be creative and think out of the box. A lot of their rules are more safety safety regulations than anything. Yeah, they don't want an explosive jet booster or something yeah. that 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 might cause an <laughs> issue. Um, what innovations uh, have you made to your plane in, in the uh, last couple of years uh, outside the composite? Um, so the big thing about DBF is because it is a new mission every year, you can't like keep tweaking something until you get it right. Um, so the 3d manufacturing is the really big thing that we got this mm-hmm. year. Cause we just purchased a 3d printer, um, the end of last season. So that has been everything in the, the sacrificial tooling, like Kaylee was talking about where you build the mold and then wrap it in carbon fiber and then dissolve like the inside. Mm-hmm. So you have the shape while, um, decreasing your weight. Um, so that's been a big thing, but also, We've been um, upping our prototyping schedule so that we're able to prototype whole planes or components much quicker so that we can test those things before building our final plane and just going off a design and fingers crossed it works. Yeah, this this might be a bit of a relevant question. How long do you guys get to do this from when you're issued a challenge to when you have to have a ready product? So we get the the mission layout in um, 
like I said, September, October, they're, they're getting pretty good about it being like early September now. Um, and then competitions, the end of April. So we have about the whole school year, but on top of that, we also have um, big proposals and reports we have to write. So mm -hmm. it is really balancing your time between building, writing, and designing. Where do you guys normally test this? Like, there's no <laughs> on campus to do this in the cold. The football field. <laughs> oh. The football field at back. We've tried doing it in the winter. It hasn't worked out well. So we try and get test flights in in the fall and then kind of wait till the snow melts. Have you done do it in the way. field house? Yeah, I was about to say, did they let you go in there, the uh, sports teams? I think they used to do that, and they don't let, like to do that anymore. <laughs> but I think that was prior to our time on the team. <laughs> um. So can you tell us about one of the biggest learning experiences you guys have personally had from a mistake or failure or the team has had from a mistake or failure? Um, certainly uh, not prototyping. I believe my first couple of years here, we really didn't get um, prototypes in. And so it was just kind of designing and um, building your final plane for competition and then hoping it works, but then quickly finding out something doesn't and having mm -hmm. to like in the spring semester, go back and fix that thing with all that stress on you of competitions coming up soon. Um, so that has been our biggest thing, especially this year. We've prototyped a plane already, so we feel pretty good about our design. Um, so that's what that's what we're doing right now to learn from those mistakes. Yeah. Another mistake we've made from year to year is not looking at the holistic aircraft design in the mm -hmm. beginning of the problem. So we'd wait until the, towards the end of our timeline where we're about to go to competition and be like, well, we've been taking off of different landing gear to accommodate for the snow, but what's our actual landing gear? They don't have snow in Wichita, Kansas, or Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's uh, so not known for the snow. <laughs> yeah, so we'd have to go back and redesign this uh, mm -hmm. landing gear or whatever mission system waited until the last minute. Uh, often brought along a lot of problems with that because it didn't allow us to integrate the design of those individual components into our entire aircraft. So... I think we've done a pretty good job this year of looking at the holistic aircraft when we were doing our uh, first iteration of design for prototyping. And all of our systems are meshing together pretty well. So So what really was like the change in mindset that took you from like no prototypes to, yeah, we actually need to prototype this. So. It's definitely been the change in leadership over the years. Uh, we have a lot of our members who have been around for four years. We've seen a lot of the mistakes that the previous leader has made. And we've been doing a lot of learning and uh, fixing a lot of things and just moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the, like, testing and prototyping of that. Do you guys normally use, like, a wind tunnel and things like that? Or do they not let you play with that? Um, so we've been trying to get into one of the wind tunnels to do some more of the testing to put in our final design report. Um, but really our testing is more of like we just fly it out on the football field and see if things work or we build um, special jigs to test our motors to see if they're actually producing the thrust the manufacturer says they are. Um, so we don't use the wind tunnels a whole lot. We're trying to get into that more, but um, as of right now, not really. A lot of what we do for our testing is computational and analytical. So uh, we take a lot of the equations and softwares that we learn in class and apply that to our models just to get a better understanding of what's going on since we don't have the expansive timeline to get in to do a lot of physical testing. Right, yeah, it, right. It's a fairly tight yeah. deadline for any sort of engineering challenge, especially considering you guys are full-time students in an engineering major. You do not <laughs> yeah. have just time to spend all day. 
Um, can you tell us if any of these skills um, have really helped you with a professional experience or an internship? Yeah, so I have two professional experiences previously, both in manufacturing. Uh, I think that a lot of the communicative uh, and communication skills that I've learned, especially being a president, have immensely helped me in the manufacturing world. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it has allowed me to uh, better communicate with technicians on the floor. I don't know if you guys have worked in manufacturing before, but if the engineer makes a design and you can read the blueprints, you kind of have to be able to communicate it with the technicians Absolutely. clearly and concisely in mm-hmm. order for them to build a good part. Otherwise, a lot of it's going to get turned to scrap because it doesn't meet part specifications. Yeah. Nice. Uh, where Where did you work, and like, what specifically um, can you remember, like, a specific time talking about? Yeah. So over this past summer, I actually did an internship at GKN Advanced Defense Systems in uh, Connecticut. And while I was there, I worked on their tooling uh, for their composites that they have there. And a lot of that was communicating with the technician who actually used the current tooling to see, like, identify what the problems they were having were, uh, see how they used it and how it was intended to be used, and just build off of that. I eventually ended up prototyping a new tooling device, and I went down to the lab and I was able to explain it to them and ask if they had any questions, and I think that definitely improved the overall design that I ended up with. Impressive. So did you end up getting an offer? I actually just talked to them yesterday. They are sending me an offer letter, hopefully in the next week. Congratulations. Nice, Kaylee. That's That's huge. Thank you. Um, So talking about... uh, not just our DBF team. Um, what current uh, what current technologies and innovations do you see coming out of the current aviation industry that you think that are really cool and exciting to talk about? Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see the future of supersonic flight and especially supersonic passenger flight. And I know NASA's doing things right now with Lockheed Martin looking into quiet supersonic flights so that they can um, – travel over land so that because there's a large noise issue with supersonic flights so Mm -hmm. if they can limit that they can fly over land more often and that would increase the ability of doing passenger supersonic flights also sustainable fuels is kind of up and coming with everything so that's that's something i'm paying attention to yeah supersonic flights are are insane with the way they um i I know that they uh, they originally did actually uh, offer supersonic flights from London to New York. Which yeah, was primary. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And <laughs> because it was just like so loud, it would just disturb like animals, plants, like it would disturb everything, and even like like shake houses and things like that. But I saw um, actually one. It was like a research paper about canceling the effect of supersonic um, supersonic like noise from planes by adding the. I, I forget what exactly what it was, but adding like kind of the reverse structure of the plane, so the noises like canceled each other out, which was pretty awesome. Reflected the waves. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty sweet. So I'm more of a composite geek. Um, I'm looking <laughs> forward to a lot of the aircraft structures moving more towards composites and away from like metals. Uh, composites, they're a fairly new material, especially in aircraft design. So they're still trying to figure everything out with that, but I'm looking forward to seeing aircraft move more towards composites. That's close to my own heart. I'm a chemical engineering major, Mm -hmm. materials, 
I approve. They're, they're, they're very interesting, especially with the high-strength materials becoming more prevalent and the wider use of carbon fiber and other laminates, um, which hopefully we'll be able to see in more aircraft use soon. Um, and that should help with uh, the uh, sustainability issues mm -hmm. as well as just general structural of aircraft, I believe. So that would be very cool to see in the next couple of years. Yes. What do you think about uh, the hydroplanes? I don't, I don't know much about those, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, they're, like, really interesting. The, they stick in, like, a single, um, a, at a single point in the water, and they, like, kind of hover over the water. And I've seen these planes uh, being used, especially, like, in Eastern Europe. Um, they're starting to come out with super fast um, hydroplanes, and... I mean, it's shorter uh, travel distance because you're going over the surface rather than going over the top. So, so I'll have think, to look into that. Yeah, yeah, I think that uses uh, ground effect mm -hmm. in their flight. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Cool. Yeah, super sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, how have you guys um, have you guys performed? at your previous competitions. We heard you won it once before, yeah, so that's so, very impressive, uh, just, in 20 just, just by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, so in 2018, we actually won the whole international competition, beat out about 60 international colleges, so we were very Easy. proud of ourselves that year. Congratulations. Yeah, and then last year, we actually placed 15th out of 60, I believe 60 yeah, teams about 60 teams, yeah. And then uh, this year, we're currently ranked 25th out of 110 teams that were accepted to competition. Respectable. Yes. And we are actually in a great spot to do well at the final competition, which takes place in April in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Let's go. And you guys will be going out there? Hopefully. Yeah. As long as uh, it's been canceled the last two years because of COVID. So mm -hmm. fingers crossed they're going to yeah. keep it. So far, we haven't heard anything, so we're expecting it's going to happen. So, nice. um, Do you normally guys, like, do they do it outdoors or indoors? It's outdoors on an airfield, usually. Okay. Um, I think it's the... Cessna Airfield this Cess year. Yes, Cessna Airfield. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do they, do they normally try to plan it for, like, wind, no wind conditions or, like... No, they just like whatever happens, happens. So part of the mission uh, specifications that we have to look at every year is the environment that we are flying in. Uh, last year, originally, the competition was supposed to take place in Tucson, Arizona, and part of the mission was flying sensors. Uh, mm -hmm. So they were just simulated sensors. We made them out of foam tubes, but the sensors had to have lights on them that were visible from the ground so that the judges could tell a pattern. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Tucson, Arizona. It's pretty bright there oh most of the God. time. So part of that design challenge was finding lights that were visible in Arizona sun. Yeah, yeah. that would that's and that's a great example of having to think outside of the box with engineering discipline because aerospace majors doing electronics and lights yeah. doesn't act come with the main description if you read mm -hmm. what an aerospace major would do. Yeah, yeah. and this year, uh, one of the big aerospace challenges we're facing is the wind in Wichita, Kansas, because they're pretty much always in tornado season over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, so uh, that's definitely something we've looked into with our aerodynamics mm -hmm. and stability and control. Definitely stability and control, yeah. If you had any advice for people coming up for your um, new leadership and freshmen and other people wanting to join your club, what would you tell them uh, about your team and uh, how to be successful like you guys have clearly managed to do? The first thing I think of is starting early. 
like you have to be committed. To, you have to have time to do this because it's not something you can just kind of show up to. You have to be committed um, and starting early. Like as soon as you get that mission, start designing and start prototyping. Also, I think it's very important for freshmen to show interest. Uh, if they show that they're interested, we're more likely to reach out to them and be like, hey, we have a task at hand. Uh, we want to mentor you on it. So why don't you come to meetings tomorrow and we'll help you out and get you on the right track to be successful. Yeah, that kind of segues into another question. How does one get involved? Yeah, so um, in any speed team, you can email Robert Davis, who's the speed director, and he can point you in the right direction because um, I don't know the, the emails of the other teams off the top of my head or their schedules or anything like that. But our email is dbf at clarkson.edu if anyone's interested. So you can just email the teams directly, too, and show up. And they're more than willing to take anyone that's interested as long as you show that enthusiasm and commitment. So. The activities fair is also a great place to sign up and just mm -hmm. get on like every single email list possible. Uh, I know we've gone to all of them this year, mm -hmm. and we actually got our numbers pretty high from that. Sweet, amazing. Yeah. Do you guys um, do you guys actively do recruiting only in the or only during the activities fair or or during the fall semester? Yeah, it's really only during the activities fair right now because um, we do get about 20 to 30 kids. Um, and uh, it's hard to find a task for everyone, especially just in the fall because it's such a design-heavy semester. Um, but we usually get a really good number from the activities fair, so we usually stick with that. We do look for upperclassmen more in the spring just to start helping us mentor uh, our younger students because they haven't taken a lot of the classes that the upperclassmen have yet, so they don't have as much experience. So it's a lot of help to get some upperclassmen on the team. And for the speed teams in general, um, is there anything special that Clarkson offers or normally does that, um, that other universities don't do? So because we are such a small school, it is so easy to get on a speed team. Uh, there is not as much competition among students to participate and learn. And I think that poses a pretty great advantage here. Yeah, you can yeah you can get involved with one or many speed teams, and there's always going to be something for you to do, pretty much, because there's you know there's not a hundred kids trying to be on a speed team. There's like thirty or forty, so there's always going to be something for you to do. And allows absolutely. your your ideas to be heard more. Yes, as well. absolutely, absolutely. That is something I do really like about Clarkson. How um, even if you want to get involved in a club or something like that. You will never find yourself being um, being like left out of that because too many people, and you'll always find people who are doing like-minded things like you are doing, which is really awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And that kind of uh, brings us into another one. I know we mentioned a little bit of how you first got into the speed teams, but can you tell us a bit how this speed team kind of came about? To be honest, I don't quite know the history of DBF. Um, I, it's, I think it's one of the newer speed teams. Um, it's about 20-ish years old. Um, and this is actually the first year they've had two female co-presidents, so we're very proud of that. Congratulations. Um, but besides that, I don't, really know, I don't really know the history about that. Sometimes we'll find papers from the 90s, but nothing that we can quite get a history from. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right, well, we... 
love to have you on here, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, Any final comments you'd like to pitch, plug? Any other things? I say join DBF. <laughs> or even if DBF isn't your uh, forte, definitely join a speed team. It's a great experience. You get to meet tons of new people, and it looks great when you go to apply for things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.